This is Dallin from a band called I Don't Know How But They Found Me, and you're listening to the Rock Sound Podcast. Neat. Hello and welcome to the Rock Sound Podcast. I'm Will Cross, junior editor at the magazine. Joining me as always, Tamsin Wills. Hello. Hello. All right. Yeah, I'm a, li- I'm a little bit tired. So you got your voice? <laughs> I've got my I've got my voice. Thank <laughs> God. I went to a gig last night and um, I had the I had the best time. Really, really fun time seeing a Scottish band called the La Fontaines. Nice. Who sort of merge rap and pop rock and bangers all in one. <laughs> Um, and had a very enjoyable time, but I stayed out a little too late, and now <laughs> I want to go to bed. <laughs> Did that on Saturday night with this man, Mr. Jack Rogers. Hello, Will. Hello. <laughs> it's so sad. How are you? You right? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm I still, mean, still recovering well, from your well, night out that, with Will. Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna say since then we didn't we didn't do anything silly. We just like got annoyed at how busy Shoreditch gets on a Saturday together. We play, <laughs> played with my Fallout Boy fidget spinner. That's just daily life for you. Yeah, but like this was at night, so, <laughs> yeah. and, like surrounded by people having having trying to have a good time. Did, did you did you do it? Did you do it in the club? Oh yeah, <laughs> I don't remember. Yeah, that. Oh, amazing! Yeah. Yeah. It, it almost it almost kicked off over it. So. <laughs> Get in. I'm sad I missed out. <laughs> it was good. So uh, last week we had, of course, a legend, Mr. Patrick Stump from Fallout Boy, on the show talking all about brand new song "Hold Me Tight or Don't." And we also had Ryan Locke of the brilliant Seaway who joined us to talk about their absolute banger album, one of our favourites of the year, "Vacation." Absolutely amazing. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. This is going to be the last regular podcast for. A couple of weeks but more <laughs> i know but more on that in a bit so much exclusive content on our website check it all out loads of it from the podcast check everything out but this week to uh to end before we have these uh, special things happen we have an absolute blockbuster so we've got aaron paulie of, of mice and men returning to the show to talk all about newly announced album defy how it's been stepping up as a front man we had him on before when he was telling us before they went to the studio so it's great to be able to talk to him now the album's done and how it was for him and the rest of the band we spoke to Kevin Lyman, founder of Warp Tour, all about the shock decision last week to end the tour in 2018. We found out all the answers to what's going on with that, what motivated that decision. It was an absolute shock for everyone across the rock sound world. So we found out everything from Mr. Lyman himself. And we've got the brilliant Becca McIntyre of the brilliant Marmosets as well, who've announced their new album, Knowing What You Know Now, on the shows, how it's been their time away, what's been going on with that, and also the promise of even more new music. But first, time's in the news. Panic at the Disco will release a live album called All My Friends We're Glorious Death of a Bachelor Tour live on December 15th, including a limited edition double vinyl, which I need. Knucklepuck have cancelled their upcoming UK tour. A statement can be read online. All our best wishes go to Joe. Paramore have dropped the video for Fake Happy, and I basically need Hayley's sequin suit. <laughs> this keeps coming up. <laughs> Frankie. Big old talking point. <laughs> I mean, it's a look. It is a look. Uh, Frankie Hero has appeared in emo-themed Christmas comedy Romance in the Digital Age. Yep, you can buy it on Amazon. The link is on our website, head to rocksound.tv. Check out the trailer 
and um, yeah, get ready. <laughs> Sleeping with Sirens have released a Christmas song called Christmas on the Road. The main are in the studio with all time lows at Ryan Dawson, which is really exciting. Big up. Uh, Real Friends have dropped a surprise song called Get By and Andy Beersack's book They Don't Need to Understand Stories of Hope, Fear, Family, Life and Never Giving In will be released on January 9th So interview one Mr. Aaron Pauly the brilliant Aaron Pauly so we had him on our launch specials of course all the way back when you know, three months ago whatever it was uh, to chat everything about having to step up as the band's front man you know that band have changed so much you know it's a real phoenix rising from the ashes type story um, and that was before that was when songs were being put down it was all kind of still quite secret at the time and now they've announced they've finished and announced the album Defy we've heard it it's brilliant and uh, I brought all of that to Aaron to talk everything defy how it's been stepping up not just on stage but in the studio as frontman of the band chief lyricist now as well and kind of telling the of mice and men story because it's been a difficult road up to this album and this is very much the sound of a band absolutely fighting back right down to its title absolutely amazing stuff this is a celebration of the of mice and men legacy and a total new beginning so here we go aaron paulie returning to the rock sound podcast Last time we spoke, you were you were deep into writing the album. How was the process overall? It feels like it's been very positive. Man, you know what? I, I think the process of making the album, um, you know, it was it was seriously so much fun, and it felt, you know, I hate using the word easy because that makes it sound like we didn't have to work too hard at it. But the the, the overall process was just very fluid. You know, because when I when I think when I spoke to you, I said you know that right after that we were going to go into the studio, we were going to make the new album. We were super pumped on how the live shows went, and we were going to take that energy, um, and that's exactly what we did. You know, we took the energy that that we would feel from the live shows, and we would take kind of those um, uh, that those certain live elements of our music, and we just kind of took that and put that into a record form. And it was just so much fun to be in the studio with with you know with my dudes and with Howard Benson and his staff and. Yeah, man, it was just too much fun. Amazing. So, like, yeah, that huge reaction you had over festival season, obviously all the love for Unbreakable and Back to Me as well. Like, is, is that all kind of, did that all kind of encourage that positive feeling and that kind of fire of going into the studio? Oh, definitely. It definitely didn't hurt. <laughs> you know <what> I mean, <laughs> um, no, it was, it, was, it, was, it was awesome to kind of see, because, you know, I think when we spoke last time, I told you about how both of those songs were almost designed for us to play live, you know, that was, you know, the, the whole ethos behind those was, okay, well, we're going to be going into festival season. We're going to be playing in front of large crowds. You know, what can we write that we feel like represents us? And at the same time moves the crowds and, and, and really gets across live, you know, cause it's one thing to make a song in, in the studio, but it's another thing to play that live. And if that same energy can kind of come across that way. So for us to be able to do that and have such a positive reaction, um, it just kind of really validated what we were thinking about that, you know, about how that's really what's going to propel the the next um, cycle of, of Mice and Men. You know, we're going back to that super energetic, heavier, very live sound. Yeah, definitely. Because I remember, yeah, I completely remember you saying that to me. And you're saying, you know, you've written some of the heaviest stuff that this band's ever done. And that's totally true now. I've heard the record. Like, how was it being able to dive headfirst into the real sort of heavier side of the band? Was it a lot of fun? You know what? That was probably one of the one of the most fun parts about making the record. You know, was like, what can we do musically to where we can all kind of play it and look at each other and go, ugh, and you make that stink face like you smelled some piss. You know, that just, <laughs> ugh, that kind of, you know, like that was kind of a, you know, just to kind of have those moments. Just it was just a, it was just a lot of fun. You know, and I keep using the word fun, and I don't want to diminish 
that because it really was, man. It was seriously so much fun to make this record. Yeah, definitely. Because in, in that sense of fun, was it, was it a hugely different experience then to Cold World? Because I, I remember you saying to me, and I think you all said in our in the studio piece, that, you know, Cold World was a, a very difficult period, obviously, for the band. And, you know, it was difficult for, for oh, every man. member. It was, yeah. I mean, I think it was it was the antithesis of that, you know. Cold, Cold World was a very turbulent time for us as people, as a band. Um, there was a lot of sadness, a lot of darkness around that record. Um, you know, circumstances people were going through. Um, and with this record, it was just hugely positive. There wasn't really any sort of negative cloud looming over anything, you know? Um, so it was, it was very, you know, I would almost say it was the opposite. You know, it was cold world was a very demanding session and it was very, you know, important that we stayed focused and it was very important that we, you know, keep a very kind of myopic vision on everything just to kind of hold everything together and with this you know we were all very much on the same page everything was all about the positive energy about um you know how we were interacting as as a unit as people um yeah it was very antithetical to to the making of cold world which i think you know it shows in the music yeah, for sure. No, no, it definitely does. I mean, it's a very different record in that sense. Now, I mean, diving into the record itself, I mean, there's so much going on. You know, you've got kind of metal-heavy bangers like Instincts. You've got huge melodies and songs like Warzone. Uh, did you kind of just want to make bangers, like, across the Mice and Men sound? Like, did you just want to, like, dive into every aspect that this, this band has built in terms of its sound and just do the best possible stuff with it? You know what? I don't even, I feel like I don't even need to answer these. I think you, you could definitely answer all of these because you're nailing it. No, no, no. You know what? That's, that's why, you know, when, when we got told uh, or when I was asked if, if I want to do this podcast uh, with you again, I was like, dude, absolutely. Oh, man. You, you get music and you get music as a music fan. And of Mice and Men, we are music fans. Like the, the whole way we treat our band is, is from a perspective of being a fan of music. You know, so for us, it was exactly that. It was when we play live, what do we love most about some of the elements of our stuff? Like, you know, I, I think of, uh, you know, a song like You're Not Alone, very full on the floor, boom, bah, boom, bah. And that goes into instincts, you know, boom, bah, boom, bah. And so it's just a lot of the whole kind of um, elements of, of the music uh, in a way that kind of excited us. That, that's really what we focused on. But yeah, um, you nailed it. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> I mean, so much. Thank you so much. I mean, <laughs> I was yeah, saying, course, re- really looking forward to talking again, as I say. I mean, Vertigo as well. I mean, that's a real moment on the record. Like, take me inside that song in particular. Like, I love how it comes kind of nearly halfway through. And like, yeah, it sounds like it's such a kind of massive anthem. Like, how did that come together? So Vertigo, it's funny. Vertigo, it's a, it's a song that instrumentally that I'd written, um, I'd written, you know, it was, it was kind of during, I want to say that I started the instrumental for that in January or February before we'd released Unbreakable or Back to Me. And that was a song that we'd had demoed um, purely instrumentally. And I, you know, I'd, I'd written the vocals for it and demoed those in, I think, February or March. So that was one of the songs that we'd had complete um, even before we went into the studio to do Unbreakable and Back to Me. And that was, for me, that was one of my favorites. You know, that song um, was hugely influenced by, and, and you might get a kick out of this, you know, the, the singer Seal? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah it's, it's, it's very, you know, it's very Seal. It's very major minor kind of, um, you know, uh, Kiss from a Rose type, you know, um, chord structure to it. 
Um, you know, and, and that song I think has like, it's kind of a very kind of a perfect circle-y kind of element to it too. Um, and that song was just a very emotional, um, a very emotional song. And, you know, lyrically I was, I was working on it and Tino had come over and we were talking about, I can't remember what we were talking about, but then all of a sudden Tino said the word vertigo. And I thought, huh, like that makes perfect sense. Like if you've ever suffered from vertigo, have you ever suffered from vertigo? Uh, yeah. Like ver- your equilibrium very is all off, very really... mildly. Yeah. 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 And so, you know what? So, so for, when he said that, it, it, this, this whole kind of topic thing just kind of hit me. Like, I don't really know how I'd word it other than it, it all just, you know, I, I don't ever feel like, like I'm going to pass the string on a tangent here. Sorry, I just had a double espresso, so I'm going like a minute right now. <laughs> you go for it. <laughs> but, you know, I'd, I'd, um, you know I, I, I have this theory where, like, I don't really feel like anything I've ever written is stuff I've written. It almost feels like it comes from somewhere. You know, I feel like sometimes when I write a song or when I write lyrics, like it's just like all of a sudden it was somewhere in the universe and my brain grabbed it and just pulled it. And all of a sudden this whole kind of theme hit me when Tino had said the word vertigo, where it was kind of like, you know, if you ever suffer from vertigo, one of the things they tell you is to try and not fight back against it, that you almost kind of have to succumb to it and understand that that's why you're dizzy. And, you know, for, for me, that song very, very much is about um, the past and how it's really easy to try and hold on to the past and hold on to people and hold on to things and hold on to experiences um, and memories and try and keep them in the present and try to keep reliving them. But when you do that, that will make you perpetually dizzy. And, you know, you can end up in a spot where, um, you're not really experiencing true happiness. You're not experiencing life the way that you're supposed to because you're, you're, you're continuously trying to fight against this thing that you can't really fight back against. Yeah, hundred percent. Because as well, going on that kind of lyrical tangent, then I mean, like you obviously, you know, stepping up doing all the lyrics now. Like, how, how was that? Was, was that difficult to do? Was it? Did you feel like you had a lot to address, or did it? Did it just come naturally? Like, how was it kind of on that side of things for yourself? You know, I think. Some of the songs lyrically came much easier than others. Um, and then, you know, some of them, you know, it, one, of the, one of the biggest questions or one of the questions I'm asked most frequently now doing, you know, press for, for this upcoming record is, you know, how was the album making process different than the last one? And, you know, it's, it was pretty much not different with the way that we've created the instrumentals and music because the four of us, you know, for the last two records and now three, like that had been the, the way that it had been done. Um, and lyrically, you know, the only difference was before Austin and I would write lyrics together and work on vocals together. And, you know, I, while I didn't have him to bounce ideas off of, I had my bandmates, you know, I had Tino, I had Phil, I had Alan. And so, um, you know, and I had Howard Benson and I had other people and you know what, it was, it was a really, really cool experience because, um, you know, my bandmates trusted me a lot. There wasn't, you know, there wasn't too much interjection or involvement other than my dude saying, Hey, I'm here. If you, if you need me for anything, you know, so some, some of the songs were easier to write than others. Um, even, even before, you know, you can take a song like pain, for example, um, pain was Tino and Austin that wrote the lyrics for that, you know, and you have a song like relentless and that was me and Tino that wrote the lyrics for that. So, you know, Tino was very, very instrumental in, in being that, uh, you know, I, 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 I like to think of writing like playing tennis, you know, and you can either hit it up against a wall or you can hit it up against somebody else, you know, and Tino was very, very instrumental in, uh, 
and helping out with the lyrics amazing yeah because in that sense as well love the album um, closes with if we were ghosts which is a hugely moving moment ends on a very moving note um take me inside that song in that sense was that did that feel like was that song always standing out as a special song and the song that was going to end the album or how how did that kind of come together that song came about because you know as we were nearing the completion of the record you know initially we were only going to do 10 songs and that was including unbreakable and back to me so it was going to be eight new ones um, and Howard Benson, you know, he basically told us, he said, um, you know, you guys have a lot of time. I'd really like you guys to, you know, if you, if you want to, I'd really like you guys to try and write a ballad or try and do a cover. And we're like, all right, well, shit, like we got enough time. Let's do both. You know, we're a very hardworking band. Um, so that song kind of came about me and Tino basically restructured the instrumental for that. And, you know, um, lyrically, um, that song to me is probably the closest thing to a, to a tribute to, to, to Chester that I could ever hope to get across. So that song for me is very, very, very special and very important. And also, you know, it, it was never really a, a thought of, Oh, this is going to end the record. or This is going to go here. Like it was just literally all about the song and all about that moment. Um, yeah. Wow. I could just keep rambling forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, well, to move on to the uh, the Pink Floyd cover as well. Um, So, Howard Benson obviously said, you know, like you've just told me that you do that song and a cover. Like, how did did that come about? Was that kind of, what kind of made you go for Pink Floyd? It comes as a real curveball. It's very cool. Yeah, so this is is literally how that came about. (laughs) This was, we, we were all sitting outside, it was nice and sunny out and Howard came out and we were all feeling really good about the album. We're like, man, we're breezing through this. It was like three weeks into to a five week session or five and a half week session. And we were nearly done with, with pretty much all the stuff that we were needed to do, like what we call the heavy lifting. Um, and so he comes outside and he goes, I want you guys to do two more songs. And we're all kind of like, ah, oh, shit. Okay, here we go. And he goes, all right, well, I want you guys to try and do a ballad and a cover what do you guys think you'd want to cover? And it was really funny because earlier that day we were driving up from Orange County to Woodland Hills where the studio was, which is about like an hour, hour and a half drive, depending on traffic. And I just remember in the car, we were in Alan's car and we had listened to money and almost kind of tongue in cheek. I said, Oh, well, what if we do Pink Floyd's money? And literally all of my bandmates looked at me like, you're an idiot. Like you can't touch that. That's like, you know, that's in the pantheon of untouchable, um, things to cover or, or, or anything. And it was really funny because I, I said it not as a joke, but kind of as a joke, you know, like, like the very tongue in cheek. And everyone was like, really dude? Like uh, what? And then Howard just looked at me and me and him locked eyes and he goes, I fucking love it. And it was like, all right, well, you know, and, and so then Alan literally went to town. Um, he sat down at his computer and Alan is the one that arranged that song, like in the new arrangement. And he's like, what if we did it like this? And it's just very, you know, like just very, very, very heavy, very rock, just very, you know, like I said, we wanted this album to be played live. And I just thought of being at Download main stage playing that. And it was like, man, it just felt so good. So, well, you know, people will either like it or we will get flamed for it forever. But regardless, you know, it's fun. It's a song that we definitely intend on playing live. Um, Come at me, you know. (laughs) 
<laughs> so so cool um, I guess just to finish up then like with the album the album title Define everything I mean something that stuck with me that you said when we chatted before is that you know you said it's got you know you should remember to enjoy all of this you know because it's finite and you know to enjoy the making the songs to the press to the live shows to everything and when when I found out the album was called Defy it kind of it kind of reminded me of that in the sense is this album as a whole about that and about remembering to enjoy everything and to to fight back against you know any problems and that you can overcome all these obstacles and that sort of thing like how how what's the album's general theme in that sense yeah you know i think it it, it goes back to i think you kind of nailed it and i think it goes you know like you've been doing i should call you the hammer because you just keep <laughs> nailing these things but but will the hammer with the new rock down podcast no but you know what it, it um you know i think the album you know i think the it, it you know when, when we were talking about that you know and, and talking about how you can either define yourself through change or you can let change define you, you know? And I think for us, it was all about, you know, being defiant to that, you know, for us to say like, we're not going to let the past define us and we're not going to let the change define us. And we're not going to let the odds define us, you know, like we are going to defy against that. Um, you know, so whereas the, you know, the title track of the song doesn't necessarily have to do with that, but you know, that song is, is kind of more about, you know, like the opioid crisis and things like that. Like that was kind of the more inspiration behind that. But as an album title, you know, it really encompasses that whole defiant spirit. You know, like we are, we are who we are. We're not going to let people define us. We're not going to let our past define us, you know? And so, yeah, so I think you kind of nailed it. It's all about, um, you know, and, and each song in its own way, including the cover, um, has to do with ways that you can deal with change. You know, and I didn't really realize that until looking at it kind of top down when it was done, I realized, huh, every song is kind of its own answer to dealing with change, you know? And I think, um, yeah, to, to, to basically put it into one phrase, you can either let change define you or you can define yourself through the change. Yeah, brilliant stuff. As I say, Defy is an absolute banger. Been playing it to death for the past couple of weeks. So, so good. Tamsin, like, going back on those launch specials, how do you feel now with Aaron returning to the podcast? I mean, I think you've made a new friend, Will. <laughs> yes, yeah, I have. It's like, yeah. I was just oh, like, yeah. I was <laughs> listening yeah, to the interview, and I was like, it really made me smile, actually. It was really nice to hear, those, to hear him say those things. But I was just like, wow, okay. <laughs> Someone likes Will. Jeez. Oh, it's likewise, I love him too. Um, but yeah, I mean, like, like you said, there. I feel like this is just a whole new shining chapter for of mice and men, and quite clearly, this album has like they've developed a lot, and they've though they've had you know had to change their writing style slightly. It, it's not really been that different, but they ju- they just seem so much happier. Um, and so much more positive about where they're going and what's happening with the band. And I just like, I, lo- I just love how like sassy he was. And he was just like, if you don't like it, come at me. <laughs> like, we've made this album and we've smashed it. So, I mean, shout out of Mice and they've kind of gone through hell and back. And I think they're, they're really coming out the other side um, with these new songs that they've been pu- putting out. Every single one's been great. Um, and yeah, things things can only go be- get better from here, I think. Definitely, and yeah, well, exactly what you've just said. You can hear it in the songs on the album. It's such a powerful album, you know. Jack, you've heard it. What you're saying? Um, yeah, with um, like the album, it's the biggest statement of the album is the heaviness of it. Like, and it's it's like this old school guttural like heaviness, like proper, like it's it's a pure headbang and. 
The thing about it is it's, it kept saying like how fun it is going back to that. Like, because heavy music should be fun. Like, even though it is angry and he's got all these subjects like he's covering of like, which aren't fun. Um, but like, you can hear him like actually smiling, like when he's talking about it and like that he's been able to like let out all these emotions in this way, which is actually like productive rather than like stifled. Um, and I think the comparison keeps going back to like, because it will for like, cold world like when of what a difficult time that was for them to be at this stage now and like in a zone where they know what they're capable of they know what they want from the band they know where they're heading it's it's exciting like um to bring the album out at the start of 2018 at the start of the year and then have a whole year to like build on it and like like have a set of tracks which they can pull out whenever they wish and like create this new chapter like rather than it just be well, his his new album, like we might play a bit, but we might hold back. Like this is a proper like it's it's not even new chapter. Like it's a new book. It's a new book in the series. It's like the it's like the seventh Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> I can't follow that. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's it's like the massive one. It's the revelation. It's the it's the one with the most action and the most suspense and like yeah. And this album. Yeah. I am comparing this album to Harry Potter and the Deathly Hallows, I guess. Mate, so. what a compliment, man. Well, yeah, as I say, can't really follow that. I mean, yeah, all I can do is back it up. Like, yeah, Defy is it's an incredible album. And to say, just keep going back, and I think like we've all said, it's just the, this sound of, you know, defiance and fighting back and not being, not allowing your band to be beaten by circumstances out of your control. And it's just so, so inspiring to hear that. So, yeah, huge shout to Aaron for coming back on the show. One of the best guests guess we've had hands down and You're just saying that because he said lots of really nice things to you no no i'm not <laughs> i'm not no 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 i genuinely love to fight it's amazing and it's just i think it's just so nice to hear like i say to hear a band genuinely not be not be beaten by things uh, you know because some bands will crumble and that's uh, that's great to hear so yeah huge shout out to aaron the rest of the mice and men massive oh yeah listener questions <laughs> So, let's boogie. Um, <laughs> Caitlin Nuggets, I think, um, asked, what album are you most excited for in 2018? And for me, it's one which I'm quite curious about, uh, and I don't know which way it's going to go, but it does make me excited. And I think it's The Wonder Years, um, because I love that band. Like, I travelled halfway across the world to see that band, like, a few years ago. Like, and they've had a huge effect on me. Um, after No Close Heaven, which I still loved, like it was a massive, it took a bit of getting used to. And the way that the band have been portraying themselves going forwards, it's interesting. And I can't really predict which way it's gonna go, like whether they are a pop punk band anymore or not, or whether they're gonna go even sadder, even more like sway and shoegazy. Like it's, I, I like the fear that it strikes into me, like it, that that like ignites the fire in my belly. Um, so yeah, whatever the Wonder Years are throwing up, that's for me. I am going with Against the Current because 
it's guaranteed bops for days. <laughs> um, and, you know, there, there's, there's been hints at who might be appearing on that album, hasn't there? Um, mm. And if, if a certain Mr. Alex Gaskoff oh. is featuring <laughs> on the Against the Current album, I'm oh, going Alex. to lose my bloody mind. Um, yeah, I like, uh, you know, Chrissy's, you know, told us before, you know, things, things go quite dark. Um, I think they've matured a lot as as a band and with their songwriting, and I'm I'm really really interested to see where they go with this next record because I mean the first one was a banger, but it was very very pop, and I feel like this one's gonna like touch on a lot of different areas that they're interested in. So hurry up against the current and release some stuff, please. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah, yeah, about that. Yeah, great shouts. Um, well, I, I had two picks. I would have snapped with Jack with on the Wonder Years. Um, so now he said the Wonder Years. I'll say the Fever, Jason Butler's project. Uh, he's been kind of trickling out songs over the past few months since the summer and uh, it's all been quite mysterious there have been a few shows there's stuff on YouTube of course the infamous uh, Randy's Donuts show I mean I love Let Live they're one of my favourite bands of all time so whatever Jason's going to do next I want to know about it and uh, I love the song so far and I think the song's live that there's footage out there of they all sound so different it sounds like he's trying so many new things and that's really really exciting creatively so uh, yeah the fever yeah, going to be good. going to be a big 2018, I think. Oh, huge year. Oh, yeah. Why, why can't it be now? <laughs> um, and one, Rossington Smith, asked, what would your Zombie Apocalypse album be and what would you want to mow down walkers to? Well, first of all, I just want to point out that if there was a Zombie Apocalypse, I don't think I'd be, like... I wouldn't be um, sifting through, like... You know the music on my phone. Your bangers, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> trying, 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 like, Hold up, guys! I've got to find the right soundtrack for this. Okay, got it. Let's go. Oh, where's Stars. No Wi-Fi. Yeah. Like, yeah. Data. I can't download it. Yeah, but mine would be um, a deathcore classic from 2006, which is a Blood Runs Black Allegiance, which is a brilliant gym album. So I imagine like smashing brains in would be sick. It as well. Wow, yeah. heavy vibes. Oh, it's yeah, kind of like so. a weird place to like to get the answer to this question. You kind of have to put your mind in a bit of a weird place. Like if I was a murderer, yeah, yeah. If I was swiping dead people, like with God knows what, and like just <laughs> attacking things that are trying to kill me, like what would I want to listen to? I, I would be curious. Um, I would be curious to know what if like it did happen, if Spotify would have time to do kind yeah. of mood playlists. His, yeah. his, oh, his mood playlist for when you want to destroy the world. I reckon they do it, yeah. 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 Um, <laughs> my choice is Architects with Lost Forever, Lost Together. Oh, yeah. Just because like, you can like time it with the bless. Yeah. <laughs> like, just knock off a head every time Sam Carter like, does a little scream. It'd be great. Oh, that'd be so good. Uh, Three Cheers for Sweet Revenge by My Chemical Romance. I think it'd just bop around while, you know, Bop around? Yeah, <laughs> well, you know, mowing down. Like, like Star-Lord at the start of Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> yes, yes. Like, just yeah. like little... Doing a little jig. Yeah, doing a little jig. You've got to yeah. warm up before you merge the zombies. That's oh, yeah. it. Oh, yeah, it's like, you see Zombieland. It's like, rule two, limber up. Oh, yeah. mate, that's it. That's it. Tarot. 
So, next week, something very, very special is happening. This is going to be, as I say, the last regular podcast for a couple of weeks before something huge takes over for a little bit. So keep an eye on all our socials throughout the week and then be on our Twitter page sharp at 5pm UK time next Friday, December the 1st. No spoilers, but be very, very excited. In the meantime, Spotify playlists, uh, follow us on Spotify. Our updated Rock Sound chart is there, waiting for you to listen to. Perfect for commutes, perfect for wanting to check out the Rock Sound world. All the latest bangers. What's number one, Jack? It is Homie Title Don't by Fall Out Boy. Yeah, it is. Big time, big shouts. And our Scuzz TV show as well. Most uh, recent episode on Daily on Scuzz. Check that out. All the most recent bangers in the magazine. Brilliant stuff. So interview two. Mr. Kevin Lyman was kind enough to join us to talk all about the shocking decision to end the Warp Tour, a world and establishment, a community, you know, that we've all grown up on. All these bands made their name from Fallout Boy to My Chemical Romance to Eminem to, you know, Katy Perry. Crazy, crazy stuff. Shout out Katy Perry. Oh, big time. This is uh, this was a really brilliant chat because he was totally honest, you know, really really cool in answering everything. And he, um, while we didn't focus on the negative too much, you know, he he was very happy to answer, you know, about why he made this very what must be a very difficult decision. So anyway, I'll shut up. Here's Kevin Lyman to tell you all about what's going on with Warp Tour. It must have been such a difficult decision to to announce what you did last week. Um, where I guess just to kick off, then where did that decision come from? It had been stirring in my mind for the past couple of years, you know. Um, I mean, I set out this tour, you know, in 1995 to promote action sports and music. Now, through the years, it kind of transformed into a cultural thing. Um, but, you know, it, I think I'd done everything I could possibly do in the format that it is. Um, it's, things have changed a lot. Things have changed a lot. Uh, you know, I always find it interesting that, you know, no offense to yourself, but, you know, every time someone wants to talk, they dwell on the negative, yeah. you know. Uh, and, you know, it's, you sit there finding yourself, uh, you find yourself defending yourself against things that sometimes you were, and I don't know, it was just kind of, it just felt like, you know, I enjoy the philanthropic sides of Warped. That's a big part of what we do. I enjoy the education parts. I enjoy teaching bands how to tour and the community. But the distractions have, been, have become so much sometimes that, and it was just, I'm just tired, to be honest, you know, physically tired. Um, I run a tour the same way I do all the, every year. I'm out there, you know, because I believe that me being the presence on the tour has been the stabilizing thing when you have so many bands on the road um, that you end up getting, you know, you're just fatigued. You're tired. I'm 57 years old, you know, working 16 hours a day for two months straight. Uh, and I, you know, I think we can continue what we're do we've done with warped, um, in the future, but it just needs to manifest itself in different ways. Definitely. So this is very much not the end then in that sense, and that you just, you want to, to look at doing other things and I kind of adapt to, you know, 2017, 2018, adopt to the modern way the music industry is now. You kind of just, you just want to try different things with the warped name. Yeah, potentially, you know, that's, you know, we, it, it, it's, it's been so fresh and so new, you know, we still have a 37 city tour to put out this year. Yep. Um, we still have, you know, plans for the 25th anniversary, uh, which a lot of things will take place during that year. Uh, you know, we just finished a cruise. We, you know, hopefully potentially we'll get another chance to do another one. Uh, so there's a lot of work to do over the next 18 months. 
that we haven't really looked beyond that. And, uh, and it could manifest. And, you know, who knows which way it's going to go. You know, I have ideas of taking a, a tour on the road with all the nonprofits that we worked with in the past. And, and maybe music's a little bit of a backseat to that. But we can, you know, continue the philanthropic a- aspects that we're doing. But that's just discussions, you know, sitting around a table, having a glass of wine with some friends now. Um, but really, you know, we do have to focus on putting out the best possible tour for next summer. Amazing. That's very exciting. I mean, you say, yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to dwell on the negative side of things too much. And I'm going to move on to, um, you know, the much more positive side of things. But just just very quickly, I mean, you said to Billboard that, you know, for the last few years, maybe it hasn't been quite as fun. Um, and, you know, and this year, especially, you felt that there was still a really good attendance in the sense of bands were heavily devoted. You know, the fan bases were all there in force, but maybe there wasn't so much that kind of casual festival goer and that sort of thing. Has that been, has that been yeah. quite a bit disappointing to see, you know, that kind of that shift? It, it is in general. I think it's a societal shift. And, you know, the more, you know, when you think it's yourself at first, you know, but I'm out there on the road and you don't know until you're out there the first couple of shows and you're going, where did all the 14 and se- 14 to 17 years olds go? You know, where did they go? Um, and Warped was always their first experience into, uh, you know, the festival culture. And I think the festival culture is so important and most people get turned on to it you know, or at least in the United States, so many people got turned on to it by their experience at Warp Tour. And I just, they just did not come out this year. And some people said, well, the lineup was a bit older in this, but when you really dig into it, we had, you know, we had Neck Deep and we had Bear Tooth and we had I Prevail. We had not, so we had all the young bands that should be the up and coming bands within music. And that have always kind of perpetuated through the Warp, uh, you know, culture and, and system that we do things. And the younger kids just did not come out. And then, you know, as the summer went on and I talked to more people and, and they're saying, well, yeah, their kids just want to stay in their rooms and watch Netflix. And then, you know, some more traditional ways out right after the tour, a big report came out in the Atlantic magazine over here that talked about 14 to 17 years old. Are they becoming a lost generation to technology? And I was like, wow. So I look at it and go, if, the four, if these people turn into 18 to 21-year-olds and they're not getting out and going and having that you know, festival experience, that's when, that's when these shows become you know, embedded in your DNA. And uh, you know, I think we have a greater thing to look at in if, if, because Warp was always the, the canary in the coal mine. You know, and uh, we were, you know, but we had our, we, the diehard fans were out there. The, you know, our average 19 to 30-year-olds were out they're you know in the sun for nine hours singing along, and I think it really benefited bands like Neck Deep because they they kind of made it a little bit older fan who actually went out and bought their albums when they came out. Yeah, a hundred percent. I mean, I, I mean, I, can, I totally know what you mean. I, I mean. In that sense, I guess, do you think that, that it's, a, it's a real shame that these kids aren't, you know, these 14, 17 year olds, that kind of demographic, aren't uh, being so active within their scenes? You know, because obviously I know you started Warped on very much the, the vision to build a community and a world, which is very much what it became. And I mean, do you think that's a real shame that that kind of that younger side of the generation, do you think that's, that's going to affect how, how music continues to go and how, you know, and bands growing up with it from within that generation? Do you think it's going to have a real effect on that? Well, I think so. If the bands can't, mo- you know, I think stream. You know, we talk about streaming being, you know, such a big force in music, and bands are streamed. But are they making the connection to want to encourage people to come out and see them live? Um, early on in, in technology, people told me that oh, you know, 
before, you know, way back when that people would live in these, these uh, virtual worlds and perform <laughs> and people would just watch him at home. And I said, you'll never replace the live music experience. And, you know, I always thought that, there, you know, you grow up and you want to go out and experience live music. But for some reason, there seems to be a disconnect right now with that younger demo. And I think, you know, that the music's playing in the background while they're doing their homework and they're on Snapchat and that, but it's not motivating them to want to go see the bands live in some settings. So I think, you know, it's a challenge we all face in the music business is how do we motivate people to take that streaming and get the emotional attachment to the band to want to go see them live. I think we're all going to be faced with that challenge. Yeah, definitely. Because as well, I mean, something else you said in the Billboard interview I thought was really interesting is that there is that sense as well on the band side of things that maybe, uh, obviously not all bands or anything like that, but just that sometimes there's maybe that kind of that, that missing unity that there used to be and that, you know, bands kind of, they kind of, they, they build a real fan base and a real legacy within a world uh, like the Warped world. And then they go, oh, actually, we just want to change genre completely. And it kind of, it makes for a slightly, uh, slightly odd shift. Has that been something that's kind of increased yeah. in, in recent years? I've seen it absolutely in the last four or five years. And I think it might be that, you know, you, you know, you used to have to, before you judged each other, you'd have to meet each other on the road or maybe you toured with each other. But now I think people are passing judgments on other bands or making jumping to conclusions on other bands by just what maybe they see on social media or something. And instead of... You know, we used to kind of get together and warp tour. It wasn't like, you know, maybe and I'm just trying to say early on, you know, in the, through the years, it wasn't like no one showed up at warp tour with a preconceived notion of who black eyed peas were, you know, yeah. they would, you would put them all in this, you would, you would, or even later on, you know, I'm just trying to think, you know, when you have hip hop and you'd have punk bands and rock bands, they probably traveled in different circles, but they really didn't know each other. And then all of a sudden you throw them in that parking lot and they find how much they have in common. And I think artists find that they, because I always said that, you know, you're all musicians, you're all artists, you know, you may play something different, you may think, but you should, you know, support each other as much as possible. And I've just seen that inter, you know, the inner bickering amongst bands to me is draining and I don't think is healthy. And the bickering amongst bands within a scene is not healthy uh, for the long term. Yeah, definitely. Because I mean, as well, on the kind of the positive slant of that as well, I mean, it's, it's something that you're very proud of about Warped is that, you know, you touched on, you, so you mentioned the Black Eyed Peas and, you know, that, that, you know, Warped has been integral in breaking so many bands and, you know, and artists and those range from, you know, Mike Chem to, you know, obviously Fall Out Boy to Katy Perry to Eminem to Ask Alexandria, you know, all these different genres, but they all kind of, like you say, they, they all were put in that parking lot and they all worked so well together. Is that, is that something that you're super proud of? proud of that you've done with warped and its legacy absolutely you know absolutely and i guess you could relate it you know if you say katie perry on that same set of stages that year there was a band from the uk bring me the horizon <laughs> and i would watch the fans from bring me the horizon kind of when katie i'd, I'd put them sometimes side by side more as a a, a social experiment amusement for myself you know <laughs> to watch the you know the reaction from the guy the Bring me the horizon fans to Katy Perry. And yes, some would drift off, but how many of them turned around and started watching and drifted over? And likewise, maybe the young girls who were watching Katy Perry turned and saw Bring Me the Horizon and drifted over and watched them. 
So that's an interchanging of, 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 uh, of fans, as well as sometimes what I was really saying is there's a lot of bands who say, oh, I don't want to be on Warped with a band like Attila or maybe this. And I say, of course you should be on a band, on a tour with a band like Attila, because wouldn't you love for their fans to turn around and walk over and watch you? Yeah. But if you only play for your same fan base all the time, and it's throughout history, if you don't spread your wings and grow your fan base, by, and Warped was that way to play for different fan bases that kind of all found unity in a parking lot, that it's very hard to expand your fan base if you, ju- if you just play with the same type of bands. Yeah, 100%. Well, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I, I mean, in terms of the plans you've got, obviously, you, you know, you've got the, the final full tour next year, and obviously we touched on the 25th anniversary and everything like that and all the special plans for that. Obviously, I, I can imagine those are, are only in the planning stages at the moment, but is that something that you still really, really want to push and celebrate, especially with these things coming up? Is that diversity and that kind of, like we were chatting about earlier as well, about people, you know, young kids coming out to their first festival and seeing this mix of bands and mix of music, is that something that you could, want to continue to push and celebrate and make sure it doesn't get lost i i hope to you know i hope if as long as my you know i still have a voice you know in there and i think i do have a voice you know it's i just need that to re probably energize myself a bit you know it's uh it gets to be kind of a routine and i i, I got i started the warp tour so there wouldn't be routine <laughs> yeah, um you know i used to be a production manager who set up the same shows every day and they ran at the same time and the bands play and warp tour was about not that routine and I think not that routine also is my, in my personal life. I like variants. And I found recently that you do the warp tour. And now that bands are booking earlier and earlier, I think you probably know that this, these tours go on sale, you know, eight months ahead of time. You know, I found myself, it was the routine of being on tour. Literally the last week of tour, people are talking about the next year's tour. And I, and it would just became, it's become kind of a routine. And I think it's become a routine not only for myself, but in the sense that I think people took it for granted that, oh, Warped will be here forever. Warped will be there forever. But, you know, maybe it'll shake a lot of people up to start doing better, like working towards unifying the scene again and, and work towards cooperation. Because I think everyone just kind of, I don't know, in some ways depended on us to do it. Yeah, I mean, that's, I, I could feel that. I mean, did, did it, did, has it felt like that in a sense? Has it, has it felt like maybe Warped has been a bit taken for granted in the past few years, you know, and obviously not by everyone or anything like that, but just by certain demographics? Has it, has it felt that way? A little bit. Oh, it'll be always here, you know. Oh, I don't go to Warped Tour this year. I'll go next year because it's going to be here. Or, um, you know, even some of the artists. Oh, you know, Warped's convenient for them in a certain time frame. But it's not part of like it's just it's there if if we need it. Yeah, which is a real shame. I, I, I mean, on a positive note to that, though, I mean, obviously we, we chatted about yeah. that. That is the uh, you know, it was an amazing story what you were telling me about uh, Katy Perry fans and Bring Me fans. You know, like across the you yeah. know the whole legacy of Warped, what have been some of your kind of favorite memories and best moments? Like you know, moments like that. What have been some real things that stick out? Well, really, what the moments have been coming back is is the emails I've been getting from artists and people who've worked on the tour, and they've been emailing the last week, and you know, it almost seemed like I was like witnessing my own funeral in some way <laughs> or my memorial. You know, I, it was weird. I was like, I'm going. I'm not going anywhere. You know, I still 
have lots to do and want to do a lot of things in life. But the, the emails you were getting were almost like your, your eulogy in some ways. And, you know, and bands would spark on a moment or a show or a storm. And someone said, you know, I got one from an artist who, and it was, and look, it was, it was probably one of my darkest days on a warp tour. And, and there was an artist uh, named Megan Wright who, who emailed me the other day and said, I know that this day was really rough on you. It was the day that I let, I let front porch step come back, which we've all read about and play that one show. But she also said there was a huge storm that came that day and hit the show and she felt she never felt more part of something when everyone started pulling together to keep everyone safe at the show. So there's this contrast that day where she's, you know, she's telling me, and it was probably the, because I made this decision right or wrong. You live and die by your decisions. And I guess this one, you know, maybe reconsidering it and stuff, you know, I will admit when maybe I made the wrong decision, but I was going off of some professional's advice which I'm not a, a trained therapist or anything, to also hear that someone else was having an experience that same day where she never felt a greater sense of, of community. Wow. So that's what Warped Tour has always been. That's what Warped to me always is. Warped, no two people, you know, unless you go with a friend and you're hooked together and you do everything together at the Warped Tour, no two people have the same experience at Warped Tour, and that's what I kind of created. You're going to see a different set of your bands. You're going to have a different experience. You're going to meet different people. You might get involved in a different nonprofit. You might, you know, it just, it's what it is. It's, it's, Warped Tour has always been kind of a contrast. And I've always said everyone, you know, and I'd probably say that was probably one of my worst, but when she sent me that, it was like, wow, that's what Warped Tour is. I was probably having my darkest days, and that's the day she remembers that she had a great sense of community. Yeah, as I say, super honest chat, really interesting, um, very enlightening, because obviously we were all very shocked by the news. Jack? I think the biggest thing, because when this news dropped, people were like, oh, bloody hell, it's under Warped Tour. Like, what are we going to do now? <laughs> and like, like, like it was like mourning it. But, like, as Kevin explained really clearly, it's not really the end. Like, he's he's got so many other things in the works, like, as it sounds like. He's reeling off, like, idea after idea on what he's like, wants to do or how he wants to change. And remember, everyone, he did say last cross-country run. Like, it's... There's still probably going to be walked or. Um, but I think it just shows what a clever man he is, that, like... Even when he knows he's onto an absolute winner, he's still not fully satisfied with it. I think that's what most of this harks to. Um, but also, you can hear in his voice that, like, you can tell he realised that people were depending on Warped. Like, people's summers were like centred all around him and this idea he had, which I think I can imagine like for him is quite uncomfortable and there's a lot of pressure. So I think it's quite nice that he's able to like speak openly about like how he feels about these things and also like no you know i just want to be a bit of a human again and like the way he's like um talks about like the more controversial areas that he's had in the last few years with the honesty and like openness like i think he's it's a it was really interesting chat like to hear it from the man himself and yeah 
25 almost 25 years he's been doing that mad yeah amazing i think people really have taken it for granted a bit you know i think because when you think about you know like those bands we talked about or those artists we talked about you know what's been integral in so many different genres and the huge names within them which is a huge amazing thing mm. uh tamzim yeah i mean every everything that you you guys have said already and i mean first up podcast road trip to warp tour 2018 oh yes because i have i've never been i've always wanted i think i think for a lot of people our age a lot of people who you know who were both fans of music and like us have grown up to work in music as well warp tour has always been on the bucket list and so we're flying out next year <laughs> vegas baby going straight up uh number two very excited about the suggestion that he might come back to the uk with it yep because i have missed the warp tour that like what the the times that he did bring it over here whether it was just for the one day or for the four weekends like there it was it was so much fun and just like you know there was just a casual day to remember a secret set that would happen <laughs> oh, that was amazing. i got to see yellow cards like twice within like 48 hours and that's just the dream really um so if you wouldn't mind bringing it back over for like a day, that would also be really great. Um, but like the main point I, I kind of took from it and what I want people to really pay attention to is he made some really, really honest points on the, the kind of the state of the, the festival scene of the music scene at the moment and people like kids just not caring enough. Um, people have taken Warp for granted and they just presume that, you know, like, as he said, oh, I won't go this year because it'll be on next year and I'll, I might go then. Um, but he, and he's been, it's a very brave decision to well, cancel it or whatever, however you want to word it. Shut down. And, and yeah, and just be like, no, I'm not, I'm not doing this. If you guys can't be bothered to come out and support this scene, then I'm not going to be, I'm going to create that scene for you. Um, and I think I think a lot of us all need to kind of pay attention to it. You know, don't as great as Netflix is, don't sit at home <laughs> binging Stranger Things on repeat like for the rest of your summer. Yeah, it's only a day, isn't it? It's yeah. only a day. To well, go it's out one to day, water. and like I, I, I wouldn't be the person that I am now if I hadn't met most of the people, like all the people I've met at gigs, like all the friends that I've made at gigs, like the, like you said, the sense of community at Warp Tour. Um, is a, a huge, huge thing, and it makes it what it is, and it's a, it's an amazing thing to be part of, and it it saddens me to feel like kids on are missing out on that, on being a part of that simply because they just can't be bothered or because there's something better on telly, like, I, and I know like you know it's there's other cases like trying to afford tickets and stuff like that, but you know start saving the money jar now for those 2018 tickets because like it's it and it being the final cross-country tour it's going to be a big one yeah oh yeah i mean that's the it's uh, you know i think what kevin said as well it's going to be a prophecy like you know the thing is if we don't support these things we are going to lose them yeah and that's i think we can't lose these things you know and i think you know i hope that we see what kevin said and what you said you hope for you know i i think we are going to see a lot more of kevin and and his work and that's amazing i mean like shout out the guy like just being like i need to break guys 57 <laughs> yeah like yeah. he's been working solid for like 20 odd years <laughs> like i think it's okay to let him like you know just have a little time off have a sit down <laughs> have a sit down have a cup of tea kevin and then come back when you when you've yeah. rested yeah big time massive shout out to kevin absolute legend and yeah we um fly us over for 2018 we we want to do that yeah, we will if you're in mind yeah <laughs> that'd be great big up warp tour absolutely incredible stuff 
So, interview three, special third interview this week. Becca McIntyre of the brilliant Marmoset. So, uh, Marmoset's been away for a little while. So, I mean, I, I saw him in uh, 20, 2015 uh, on the main stage at Reading. What felt like this real crowning moment, you know, after the weird and wonderful Marmoset's loved across the board. And then, unfortunately, you know, a few things happened and they had to take some time away. Um, and, you know, they were gone for a little bit, but then they put this brilliant album, again, we've heard it, Knowing What You Know Now, together. And it's just the sound of a band with all that bottled energy going straight into the hi-fi system. And just, man, this album's so vibrant and brilliant. So I spoke to Becca all about that, about some of the frustrations of being away and just everything in general, really. So, yeah, here's Becca from Marmoset. So, Knowing What You Know Now, I've uh, been playing it to death for the last couple of weeks. Uh, it's massively anticipated, <laughs> loving it. Like, does it feel great to be getting music back out there to people? Because it feels like everyone's been on the edge of the seats waiting for the album. Yeah, um, I'm kind of like, I'm stuck at this point where it kind of feels like we've, we've kind of like wrote the music, but it doesn't really exist and it's not been like, it doesn't exist because it's like not out and about yet, so... We're in like a really, really weird situation where it's like, we know we've done this album, but not many people have heard it. Well, obviously, like a bunch of press have heard it and stuff like that before it all gets out there to the whole world. But um, yeah, it's just weird. We're just like, because we've had it recorded since last year. So um, it's just a matter of getting it out. Obviously, we've got a date, which is like the 26th of January, I believe, or the 27th. So. Um, yeah, we just want it to be out so everyone can just chill with it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I can totally imagine. <laughs> no, I can totally imagine. Because, cause, I mean, has that been quite frustrating then? Because obviously, you know, you would, you dealt with your uh, your knee injuries and that sort of thing. I mean, was that, and then leading up to the process, and then having to wait until the, the album's actually out there, even though it was recorded last year, has that all been quite frustrating? Yeah, it has, but I think... Timing is a key within this industry and especially for us. So, um, I think, you know, the last two years, we've just really needed to, like, sort out a load of stuff. So, uh, as well as, you know, writing, doing our job, which is writing music that we love. So, um, yeah, it's just it's just been a bit annoying. Obviously, we wish it could have been out earlier, but there's not, there's not much that we could do about it because, you know, there was personal things going on. So... Um, but it's cool because we're, we're on a good track now as well with the Orcs. We've already started writing for the next one. So um, we all seem to be in a really good place. So, um, and it's going to be super exciting because, you know, Christmas time is like so exciting for everyone. And then we're just going to have this album that drops after, you know, after everyone has their like their, their blues of, you know, having such an amazing Christmas holiday or festival, whatever people want to call it. So, um I think it'll be like a nice little treat to release the album then just after this festival season. So, yeah, I think it's all, I think it's good timing. Yeah, definitely. Cause, cause, I mean, in terms of putting this album down then, like, was there a lot of pressure after the weird and wonderful? Cause obviously, you know, everyone loved that album across the board, you know, I mean, mm. I, I remember kind of seeing the wrap up of the cycle at Reading when you guys played the main stage and it just, it felt yeah. like such a kind of amazing moment. Like, has there been a lot of pressure in that mm. sense or, or did the extra time kind of give you that sense well, of being able to flesh the songs out? I guess, I guess there is going to be pressure because, you know, it was like weird and wonderful. We had like, we had all our lives pretty much like that. There was no thought, do you know what I mean? Like we, you know, we were, we only just got signed and we had all this material. So we were able to have, to do this album. There was a couple of songs, you know, which we left last minute, but the, then they made it onto the album. So I think um, 
it is a lot different from as a band, you know, when you're just doing it as a hobby and then you get signed and it really does become like, honestly, it does become a job because there's so many, there's so many people that you have to um, fit whatever you're doing to brackets for. Do you know what I mean? So, um, which is cool. It's amazing, you know, that we get to do this live, but yeah, I think, but the pressure, pressure is always good. You know, some people can't deal with pressure and they just don't like it and, they don't they don't bother being in a lifestyle of having a bit of pressure but you know a little bit of pressure can do amazing things and can push you to um greater and better places really so we've kind of learned to with the word pressure or understand pressure is it can be a good thing so um and we seem to work good under pressure as a band so um yeah, there was obviously like I can I can remember like walking around the festival season and everyone's like, Oh, so that's the festival season what you're doing, you know, obviously you've got the second album and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, second album, you know, normally that's where bands fail and they'll go down down to the I won't swear but you know what I mean, down the shitter type thing. But um for us here and here another band member say that and people within the industry, it was more like, ah, you know, nah, we're fine. <laughs> we got this, like, this is what we love to do. And we wouldn't, we wouldn't have signed up for this if, you know, we were just going to, like, be lazy about it. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah. And you know what? The, uh, knowing what you know now is a great album. It's one that I keep going to, going back to and listening to. So, you know, we must, must, must be on something or doing something right. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, yeah. in, in that sense, like, <laughs> it sounds like you had a lot of confidence going into the album then. I mean, going into the studio and starting to get the track sort of fleshed out, as I say, was was, was it a very positive vibe then? Oh, yeah. Like, uh, we kind of don't have, like, a set way of, like, how we do everything. So there's always, like, that theme of, like, let's just go into it with our eyes closed, you know what I mean, just see what happens. Because we don't, like, have... We don't have, like, a specific, like, method or way into, like, how we record all the time. Did it feel, with a little bit of time off the road while you were writing that sort of thing, when you got into the studio, did it feel like all that energy kind of came flying out and into the record as well? Because it is, like, it's such a vibrant, energetic album. Yeah, completely. Um, Not going to lie, you know, we went all in... We were, like, happy. I'm so happy to be back into doing this. And it was, like, before Christmas time. So we were kind of like it when it's getting cold and, you know, we're in this, like, old, old studio where the fire's constantly on and, you know, we're having, like, proper grub every evening, you know, being looked after, which is amazing. <laughs> um, coming back to where we'd all been scattered over England and, all, you know, the just the lifestyle that we... Um, we, I wouldn't say choose to live, but the lifestyle that we have to sit in and live in, which is fine. You know, we received positive and everything. Um, so it was amazing. We just, we were just all happy to be under the same roof together, just being able to go out and play football and sit down all together and have tea. Do you know what I mean? For me, that's so important because in the last two years, I've been very separated from the boys, and um, obviously because of my operations and having to live not because we used to live right next door to each other. So you can imagine, you know. People always say, you know, with the band, like, how do you guys work? Your brothers and sisters, for a starter, like, how does that even work? But to be honest, it's, with each other, it's all we had. So um, having them two years kind of apart and then being in the studio together, you know, there was just so much happiness. And to top it all off, we're doing something that we absolutely love and something that connected us all together in the first place, which was music. So, um, yeah, it's just, it, was just, it was a beautiful experience. And it, 
it really makes you looking for, like to look forward to the next the next um, experience of recording again. So, you know, like we say, we're already wanting to write. We're already writing because we're like, we need to get back in the studio because we do love that part. Amazing. Awesome. So, so yes, yeah, so, yeah. so talking about you know new music. Obviously, we'll carry on about the album in a sec. But like talking about new music already yeah. being written. So it's just is there just that fire is just completely raging since you finished this album then, and you just want to get stuff down as quickly as possible. Well, um, specifically, um, Jack, he's been very like, he kind of had this moment, I think, after we recorded, we were still, we still had a little bit of time away from each other. And Jack was just constantly writing stuff, um, like even on the Garage Band app. It's great just for getting all your ideas down, and it's a good starting point. So, and I, I literally came back to him and he had like seven ideas, and there were ideas that I listened to, and I was just like, oh my gosh, my heart was like pumping fast. And I was like, yes, we're, this is amazing. So, and then there, it's just, you know, that little bit of inspiration from one of you guys. It's just like, that's all you need to get to get going. So, yeah, um, Josh is always full of ideas. He's always on his Mac. So we were just all in, we we're just all in a good place of like, you know, we already we already have kind of a bit of a sound, a direction for our, um, for maybe the new record. You don't know, we might, I could be talking about this and then you know what, in in about a couple of months time, we're like, oh no, all them songs are shit. We need to, you know, we wrote 50 more. Do you know what I mean? So um, <laughs> you never know how it's going to go down. Because <laughs> I remember in 2015, we were like, yeah, we have the album down. And then we realized we really didn't. So um, we had to go in and write, like, I think we, we had like two or three albums worth. Um, for knowing what you know now and obviously it ends up being like 13, 12 songs so <laughs> blimey blimey so so when you Ooh. did kind of whittle the songs down Crazy. into what we now know as the album um, I mean in terms yeah. of play is the first single and the first song on the album um, it feels mm-hmm. like you know it, it still feels like the Marmosets we know and love but there's so many new things going yeah. on in that song like what how did that song come together like was it did it was it always kind of standing out as the first single well it's kind of well, obviously, play is what it is, do you know what I mean? And that was, like, pretty much one of the first things that kind of got us kicked into that rhythm of, you know, the way, the way that we're approaching and writing. But I know this isn't one of the greatest mottos or sayings from from myself, but it's like, why would you want to eat a seatosy every single day? Do you know what I mean? You want to spice it up. You want to, you want to have something different to awaken them taste buds. And that's kind of how we are with music. You know, we don't want to just keep doing the same thing every day. You know, we're just going to get bored and sick and tired of it. So it's like, and that's the beauty about art, you know, you can go in so many different directions, but it is about going in the, the direction that, you, that you're known for. And um, I guess, yeah, that's just, just keeping it real. Um, so, yeah, I, don't, I know what you mean. Like, it's a, it's a lot more upbeat and we've experimented a lot more with, I wouldn't say electronics, but yeah, because, you know, we've got Joshy Boy, he's an amazing, not just one of the best genres, he's like, a whiz kid on his laptop it's like a bit of a producer so it's um and we all have different um tastes in music and we've all come from different backgrounds within music so it's like we just put put our little bits together i guess and then that's how it happens but yeah we're always evolved and then we want to always evolve so Definitely, yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, like you say, you know, you've got all these different tastes, and it was the same on the weird and wonderful, but mm-hmm. like even more so on this album. Like, yeah. it's just there's so much going on, massively eclectic. I mean, did you kind of, I guess, with this album, and like we've talked about it being the second album, that sort of thing, did you want to seize the opportunity and see how far you could push the Marmoset sound and kind of all these new things that you could try with it? I think we kind of just naturally do push things 
you know, we're never like, oh, we can't do this, we can't, we, maybe we should try and do that, or, you know, somebody's totally like, oh, no, I hate that idea, but everyone else loves it, you know. I don't know how we end up making it work for each other. It just does. I guess it's like the love that we have for each other just drives us forward, and I guess the confidence that we do have in ourselves for abilities, and um, it's never easy, and you always get them days where you're like, you're writing a song and everyone else says it's good, but you're still not feeling it and you're still not connecting. You think it's shit and you're just like in a weird place. It's like, you know, no one has, no one has um, a perfect life. So, <laughs> uh, so yeah, we just, we just, you know, just like I wouldn't say experimenting. It's not like ruling there, like making potions and shit. You know what I mean, it's um, we just, we just jamming what we like and obviously pick up influences on the way and they end up, you know, going into your music without you even realizing. Because you just, when you're that in love with something, you know, you end up like almost like pinching it and putting it on your coat. Do you know what I mean? Like a badge and going, yeah, I can, I can double with this. This part of me, you know, I like to move my hips, so that music makes me want to move my hips. So that's why I'm putting it in there. <laughs> yeah. Something to go on that is what like a song mm. like meant to be and sort of like super super fun you know yeah. super like super dance yeah. quality to yeah. them like it's there's a real fun vibe to the album as well as everything else going on was that quite yeah. important for you to to have in there as well in that you wanted people to get up and, and dance oh yeah because I've always you know I've always kind of had it's taken me a little while to get from the beginning of Mum's because like I, I you know, the first stuff that I just, I was a teenager that just had like a lot of, I wouldn't say I was full of anger, but I had that edge to me of, you know, I was like, don't give up, middle finger up in the air type thing. Do you know what I mean? And, um, and that was, that was me. And I, I was still a teenager and I hadn't quite that becoming a woman properly. And it's like, it's completely different how, how, when your body changes, your music changes, your taste changes. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, like I've always, I've always danced. Dancing is one of my favorite things. Wherever I go, you know, I could be in the shop, like shop buying, buying my weekly food, and I'll be dancing down the aisle if the song comes on that I like. Do you know what I mean? It's just there's a sense of freedom in dancing, and I know a lot of dancers will be like, "Amen, sister." Do you know what I mean? There's like there's freedom in it. So, um, I've always liked to dance, and I'm so excited that we're able to incorporate stuff that I can booby on stage. You know. That, that makes me so happy and I know it does make a lot of other people happy you know but people go clubbing so they can just like you know get loose and have a dance so yeah <laughs> yeah definitely because well on the kind of flip side of that as well you know you've got songs like Insomnia and songs like Me and You yeah. uh, which are you know real kind of curveballs you know they kind of expand on things you were doing with like Back to You and Captivate You on the last album things mm-hmm. like that super super cool stuff take me inside those songs in particular because they really stand out well, you know, it wasn't all it wasn't all happy clappy dancing <laughs> <laughs> as life as you know, we can we can get hit to rock buttons sometimes and you know. Um in the last couple of years we had uh, a couple of sad things that happened. So, you know what, I'm gonna think about them because you know, other people are gonna go through them experiences. And um I think it was definitely um I think it's great finding a way to be able to move on. You know, you're never going to be able to move on, for instance, the death. You're always going to grieve over it, but you can make it easier for yourself. And one of the ways of me dealing with it was I hadn't grieved. I was still going on tour and I was still pushing myself, you know, almost like just like kind of distract myself, but it doesn't work. You know, you can try and distract yourself as much unless you get to the root of it all. And my the thing that I needed to do and I was searching for was I needed to just forget this into song. 
So I sat there and I literally I got blabbered the whole way through trying to sing. Poor Josh is like trying to record. And every time I tried to record, I just was blabbing. And I just had to have my moment, you know, and cry and get it all out. And now I've got a song um, about my nana. So, and I used to always kind of one of them songwriters like, oh, I don't like singing about people. I'm never going to, you know, say somebody's name or anything like that. But, oh my gosh, my nana. My nana's called Faith and she had all the faith in the world and I needed to sing about her. So, um, and I, I don't know, hopefully it's one of them songs that I put out there and people can maybe look at death a little bit easier, I guess. You know, death is a horrible word. <laughs> just like the name itself, you just see darkness, you know what I mean? But, you know, if you can believe that maybe one day you get to see them and um, they go to paradise or heaven or wherever, you know, that's cool. I think it's a cool thing to to hold, so... Um, that's what I believed in. So, yeah, and then you got insomnia. Like, that was just, like, literally, it's everything. You know, when you're just a bit fed up and you're trying to get through each day and each time you go to bed, you know, you just, your head's ticking, you can't sleep. You've got this on your mind, that on your mind. And that's exactly what that song's all about, you know. I had a good couple of months where I just wasn't sleeping properly and because I just had all this weird energy uh, on my life, which didn't need to be there, and there was ways of easily getting rid of it. But once again, I managed to get a song out of it. So it's weird how you end up having to put yourself and be in these situations. You know what I mean? For like material to come through. So, and you know, I'm happy I went through the experiences for that material to come through. Yeah, brilliant stuff. As I say, love knowing what you know now. Amazing to hear her talk so candidly about the time away and the fact they're already writing for a third album. Man, like, what a band. Jack? What I've always liked about Marmsets, and, like, I, I've known them since, like, 2012 when they were, like, playing Dirty Riffs. Um, and I saw them support Four Years Strong once, which was pretty wild. Pop punk kids didn't know what to make of it. Um, <laughs> they've always just been what they want to be and done things how they want to like there's no agenda no nothing like especially on weird and wonderful mom sets which was weird and wonderful um there's a just a this carefreeness like even in the way that she talks and like and presents herself becca's just like knows who she wants to be knows what she wants a band to be and it works along with her brothers as well and also, it's, it's the idea that she's not comfortable with keeping things the same. Always wanting to change things up and be a different person, be a different band and make different music and not like become like everyone else, which I think is it's a really unique place to be because it's so easy to fall into the trap of, especially like now, like it's not like they're doing it for themselves. They're on like Roadrunner, like big boy big boy label um and when when you fall into those traps you can be like well we'll just do it by the book and do whatever but like just in the songs which we've got out now like in habits and play like it's it's a band who is still thirsty even after all this time and a band who is still like want to make a difference and like make people enjoy music again rather than it them just be another band on an ipod yeah big time i mean they're super unique and as you say i mean they just they know who they want to be and becca's so cool you know and like she's so like you say there's no you can tell it just all comes from the heart what she's saying mm. you know and that's so refreshing i think tamsin um i th- just think like the one of the things 
that she kind of said in the interview that stuck out for me is just like, everyone needs to just enjoy dancing a bit, which for, with marmosets, you wouldn't really put that with them um, because they're, you know, they are a bit heavier. They can be quite angry at times, but I love the idea of her like walking down the shop, like just having a little boogie to whatever she's listening to. Um, and I think that's a really important point that all of us probably just need to take into our lives is just don't be afraid to dance because it makes you really happy. And I can confirm that dancing makes you really happy. Watching Jack dance makes me really happy. <laughs> yeah, same. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, and, you know, they, they, she's, as she said, she touched on some really horrid subjects, um, things like death and some emotional subjects. But then she's like, but I also really want to make people happy. So we'll just wait and see what the album turns out like. I think it's going to, like, I mean, the reaction the Weird and Wonderful had, like, this is going to send them even further. Like even further. Oh yeah, the slower song we've chatted about it in the other with the slower songs on it. Yeah, like like, like there's the song so like, like the songs which do get you like feet tapping are like good, but like the more considered tracks are just like yeah, like, like legit. But I'm say like songs where you do like shake about a little. <laughs> I just want to watch you just shaking along. It can be arranged. Okay. <laughs> so I'm in place, Jack, and I'm there. Uh... <laughs> I'll put on a club night. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing stuff. So, yeah, know what you know now. Absolute banger, honestly. Me and you is the tune. It's so, so good. Like, such new ground for that band. Amazing stuff. Be excited for that. Coming out in January. So much happening. Big shout out to Becca. Such a great chat. And, yeah, Marmoset's one of the UK's very best bands. So next week, as I say, something very, very special is happening. No spoilers, but be there on our Twitter page at 5pm UK time next Friday, December 1st for the big reveal. No spoilers, but really, honestly, be excited. It's so, so good. Prepare to be shook. <laughs> yes, exactly. Spotify playlist, follow us on Spotify and update Rock Sound Chart with Fallout Boy at number one, Mice and Men at number two. Follow us on there, check it all out. Now, Scuzz TV show is, of course, on daily on Scuzz, so check that out. So it's been a blockbuster, it's been a bit of a ride. You guys had a good time? Had a lovely oh, time. Always. Yeah, it's been good. As I say, we will see you guys in this normal format on the 15th of December, so a couple of weeks' time. But for now, get excited about what's coming. And yeah, we will see you then. See you, love you. Bye.